You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we're going to keep looking at what's worth fighting for, and we're going to stay in the book of Ephesians. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. If you have a Bible this morning, we are going to still be in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. I want to remind you, if you've not been to this service, you can always go back to our podcast and listen to any, any sermon that we've had over the past year and a half now. But we've been going through the book of Ephesians. We've been talking about things worth fighting for. In the book of Ephesians, the last, in the last chapter, the statement was written that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we've been going through the book of Ephesians, at least the last half, and we all realize most of us affirm that we are indeed in a spiritual battle, but so many times we don't realize what exactly the devil tries to stop. We don't realize what exactly is worth fighting for, and this sermon series has been worth what's worth fighting for. So just a review of the last two sermons, today is number three. The last two, the first one we went over, we've identified areas in life worth fighting for. The first that we identified was the church, the church itself. Satan, you better believe, is going to come against the church itself, the local church, the body of believers. So we should take up arms and we should realize that it is worth fighting for. Because if Satan can win, if he can stop the work of the church, he can stop the work of Jesus. It's just the same and simple truth. Since that sermon, just to give you an example, since I preached that sermon over a month ago, we've had three new church members. This last Wednesday night, we had over 20 kids. Every group was full. Youth class was full. The children's class was full. The junior, age, junior high age class was full. So just realize, just realize, you better believe that Satan wants to stop that stuff. He wants to stop new members coming to church. He wants to stop the River Kids ministry. Anything and everything he can do, he will do to stop it. But remember that we're going to win the fight as long as we're willing to fight. As long as we don't surrender, as long as we say, hey, this is worth fighting for, and I'm going to do whatever possible to support the church, to be there for the church, we're going to win the fight. The second sermon last week, we talked about the new man. This battle is personal, but if you've been picking up your cross and following Jesus, there's no way for me to know that, but if you've been doing that, you're winning that battle. Your new man or new woman should be thriving and not just surviving. So that's where we're at so far. And today we're going to move on to phase three of what's worth fighting for, and that's found in Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm just going to read the first 20 verses. Uh, So just follow along with me. I'm reading in the New King James Version, so there might be a couple of different different, uh, words, but just follow along with me. begins in Ephesians 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication... And all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous, 
man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, that all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is, which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So, when we get to this part of Ephesians, I start seeing a little change in talk, a little change in this letter. Paul begins talking about relationships. It's a shift. Before, he's kind of talking about us individually. and He's talking about the church body. But now in this chapter, and the rest of the book really, it's a focus on our personal, individual relationships. And remember that, of course, it all relates to each other. It all relates to each other. I mean, if you've got a good relationship with the Lord, you're going to have a good relationship with your wife and a good relationship with your husband, a good relationship with your church. But it gets personal here. It's not just what happens at church, but what happens in your heart, what happens at home. So what's worth fighting for in this chapter? I believe he says it right in verse 1. He says, Be imitators of God as dear children. Your relationship with God Himself as a dear child of God is worth fighting for. But if you pay close attention, it's funny, I didn't know it would be the Sunday school lesson this morning. If you pay close attention throughout this passage I just read, you'll see all three members of the Trinity. You'll see Jesus mentioned in verse 2 and verse 20. And you'll see it says, be filled with the Spirit in verse 18. So all three members of the Trinity are present. And as a Christian, your relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, is worth fighting for. Why is it worth fighting for? It should go without saying, but so many times we forget that we have more. We have more than just a knowledge of Jesus. We have an actual relationship with Jesus. And man, the devil wants to stop that relationship. Why is that relationship worth fighting for? I want to share with you this morning that for most of us, your life is the only Bible the lost will ever read. Lost people don't get up and come to church on Sunday morning. Lost people don't pick up their Bible at home and read it. Most of the time they're, they're on Facebook or they're on Instagram. And yeah, you can share a meme or you can share a post. But what they're really looking at, they're looking at you who claims to be a Christian. They're looking at your relationship with Jesus. And that involves far more than going to church on Sunday morning. So it's a relationship worth fighting for. Your life, 
Listen, your life is the only image of God that lost people see. If you want people to see God, I mean, it's a great thing to go and share. But they're looking at your life. They're looking to see what a Christian looks like. Thirdly, it's worth fighting for because as a Christian, as a Christian, your faith is now your primary identity. This goes back to what we talked about last week. It goes back to being a new man. That relationship is worth fighting for. Because if the devil destroys this relationship, if he can hinder this relationship with God, he destroys your very identity. And it leaves you feeling confused. It leaves you feeling lost. It leaves you feeling out of place. It's worth fighting for for that reason. And fourthly, I mean, I probably could go on all day, but I'll say fourthly, as a Christian, having the Holy Spirit inside you, having that holy relationship, it is the very best gift that you have ever or will ever receive. It's where the fruit of the Spirit is found. It's where all those things listed, love, joy, peace, happiness, patience, it's where all that is found. It's the best gift you've ever received. It's worth fighting for. You'll never fight for this amazing relationship if you don't see the importance and the significance of it. I mean, just think about it. He says imitators or the example of God is dear children. It's an amazing thing to be called a child of God. The one who created the sun, moon, and stars. You can be a child of His. And if you've been born again, that is exactly what you are. You're special. You're important, so important, that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, died on the cross for you. And listen, the devil, I, don't, I mean, I don't think he can break the relationship, but he can make you neglect it. The devil wants you to forget all about that. That's why, that's why it's so easy. You see temptations everywhere. He doesn't want you to come to church. He can use a pandemic to keep you away. He can use your wants and desires to keep you away. He will use everything he can to keep from reminding you just how special your relationship is with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So how do we fight for this holy relationship? Right there in verse 1 it says, Be imitators of God as dear children. But that bears the question, what exactly are what exactly is the characteristics of God you know there's there's a lot of preachers all over the world especially I think in America that spew out these characteristics of God and they just get it all wrong they only preach one thing but God's got all kinds of characteristics I think one thing that that's not preached about is enough is that God hates sin I mean, it's one of the first things that's mentioned in this passage. In verse 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, and he listed all kinds of sin, he said, Because of these sins, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Listen, don't let anybody fool you. Our God is a just God, and our God absolutely hates sin. I want you to just think about it from a human perspective. If you love peace, you're going to hate war. If you love children, if you love babies, you are going to hate abortion. And if you love people, if you really love people, you are going to hate sin. 
Why does God hate sin? Listen, God hates it because it has destroyed his glorious creation. I mean, he hates that. So I want to imitate God by having a hate for it like he hates it. God hates sin because it ruins, it absolutely ruins relationships. God hates sin because it hurts people and it hurts families. God hates sin because it ruins his very holy name. And God hates sin because it sends people to a place that was never designed for them. Listen, church, if you want to follow the instructions in Ephesians 5, if you want to follow the instructions in the whole Bible, and you really want to fight for your relationship with God, if you want to be an imitator of God Himself, then you need to have that God hate for sin. You need to absolutely despise it, and that means going totally against what the world says about it. Our world today not only tolerates sin, it celebrates sin. We're not called to be imitators of American culture. We're just not. God didn't say, hey, be imitators of this political party or that political party. He didn't say, be imitators of the American soldier. He didn't say, be imitators of your mom or your dad. He didn't say, be imitators of your pastor. He didn't say, be imitators of the Southern Baptist Convention. He said, be imitators of God as dear children. We're called to be imitators of Him, so we need to start looking at things from a God-like perspective. And listen, God is full of love. God is full of compassion. And he showed us that by dying on the cross, but he also hates sin. So let's move on to the next part of that. God loves far, and he takes care of his children. We want to imitate God by having a God-like hate for sin, but we also want to imitate him by having a God-like love for his children. And that means a lot, like I said, for us. That means that we're special, that means that we're important, but it also means a great deal for other children of God. This relates back to the church, too. We need to walk in love for other children of God. The biblical example of the church, the first church in Acts, is the church taking care of the church first. We need to be imitators of God by taking care of our brothers and our sisters in Christ. That's part of being a body of believers. When we see a need, we try to meet it. In James, he said, true religion is this, to take care of the widows and the orphans among you. We need to look out for our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We need to pray for each other. We need to love each other. And we need to stick together and we need to stand together. Listen, there is great strength in numbers. I remember, I remember so crystal clear being in high school. And I remember wanting to take a stand for my faith. I can't even imagine today in 2021. But it was hard even back then. But you know the thought I always had? Man, I wish I just had some others with me. It'd be so much easier to make a stand if I just had one other person with me. If I didn't have to go at this thing all alone, Lord, I just wish I had somebody else with me. I don't care if it's a male. I don't care if it's a female. I don't even care if it's the same church member. I just want, I don't want to have to go against this evil world alone. And listen, God doesn't want that either. God didn't just call one child of God. He called a bunch of children of God. We should stick together. We should stand together. We should fight for that relationship with God by standing together. And look, it even says that in verse 18 and 20 through 21. Verse 19 through 21. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I don't believe Paul was talking about in a church service. I mean, it says... Giving thanks always. Listen, we should be together. We should sing together. We should love each other inside the doors and outside the doors of the church. God takes care of His children, and we should look out for each other too. And listen, in the Christian life, there should never be a time when we degrade one another, brothers or sisters in Christ. You're not being a very good image bearer of the Lord if you're, if you're talking bad about your brother or sister in Christ. I think about being an imitator of God. And you know what? When I think about the Lord, God has no place in pop culture. So if God has no place in pop culture, neither should we. Because while I realize there is strength in numbers, and while you realize there is strength in numbers, I think Satan realizes there is strength in numbers as well. And he wants to recruit even Christians to join his battle against the saints. I think that's why Paul, he made it very clear in verse 7. Therefore, don't be partakers with them. In verse 11, he says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. We don't need to be part of this world. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be different. I want to tell you, this does not mean that we're to be monks and to be isolated. It just means that we're to be a light amongst the darkness, like it says in verse 8 and in verse 9. We're to be the light. That's how we are to be imitators of God. But if you really, if you really, really, really want to know how to be imitators of God as dear children, the greatest place to look is the Gospels, is to live like Jesus lived. And we read in Matthew last week, what did Jesus say the greatest commandment was? He referred back to Deuteronomy. And he said to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's how you be an imitator of God as dear children. But then he said love your neighbor as yourself. So church, I just want to tell you that's the two greatest things. That's from the mouth of the only child of God, from Jesus Christ himself. Simply love God and love people. So let me just share with you this morning just two simple truths. You are not loving God by participating in sin. It doesn't matter what sin it is. You are not loving God by lying to your friends, by lying to your wife, by lying to your children. You're not loving God by not loving your church. You're not loving God by, by, by committing adultery. You're not loving God by being involved with drugs. Whatever it is, whatever your hang-up is, let me tell you, you are not loving God and you are not imitating Him as a child by participating in sin. So you need to cut that out. You need to realize that your relationship with Him is worth fighting for. And you need to get up in the morning and just pray for help to not participate in that sin that's holding you back. And there's another part to this. You're not loving others by celebrating their sin. Listen, far too often, far too often we think that it's a loving thing to do by, you know, putting your hand on somebody's back. Hey, you know what? It might be your child. Well, son, God understands your situation, or daughter, God understands you're in a hard spot, and you could just live how you want to live, and it's going to be okay. Listen, 
It might be okay. But God hates that sin. And God still loves them, but you don't need to celebrate somebody else's sin. You get on Facebook, you see somebody celebrating a same-sex relationship, somebody celebrating a same-sex marriage, you should not hit the like button. You should not share that status. You should not go out and drink with your friends. You should not disobey your parents. Maybe your parents have some really unfair rules. But you should not celebrate that sin. You should not encourage your friends to sin. It means being unpopular. But guess what? Jesus wasn't very popular either. You're not loving God by participating in sin, and you're not loving others by celebrating their sin. But when we look at Jesus, when we look at how, how he lived, and I ask the question, how, Lord, you know, what do you want from me? How can I imitate you as a dear child? My mind goes back to a simple passage that a lot of you probably have memorized. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and it's also in Luke chapter 11. These two gospel writers, they thought this was very important to write. It's the Lord's Prayer. And everything I've said today, everything you read in Ephesians, Jesus addressed every single thing about how to be a dear child of God in this simple passage. All of it's wrapped up in this simple prayer. In Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen, that should be our prayer. We should look at our Father. Lord, you're my Father. You're my friend's Father. You are the one in control, and you are holy. Lord, help me to remember that you're holy. I'm not. You are. Help me to keep my eyes on you. Help me to imitate you. Help me to remember what you want is what's best for me and my friends. And it doesn't always line up with what I want. In verse 10, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your will might be for me to beat this illness. Your will might be for me to beat it in death. Your will might be for this pandemic to be over. Your will might be for COVID 2020 to come. I don't know what your will is, but I want it. I don't know what your will is, but it's better than my will. Lord, I don't know. I am scared to death of what's going to happen with our government. I don't like the way things are going, but I know that you've got a grand plan and my trust is in you because you are the father, I'm your son, or I'm your daughter, and I'm following you. This might mean for the single person, Lord, I, I want to be married. I want to have children. I want to be healthy. I want, I want, I want. But at the end of the day, Lord, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. That's how we imitate Jesus. That's how we are a dear child of God. In verse 11, listen, we ask God for our, our needs and our wants, but that should come down to the bare minimum. God, take care of me and my family today. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, just give me what I need to make it through today. And Lord, if it's, a, if it's just to meet my needs, great. Or if it's a big steak dinner, that's great too. But just give me what I need to make it through another day till I come see you. In verse 12, this goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Lord, every single day I know that I know that I know before the sun sets tonight, I am going to mess up. And Lord, I know that I messed up yesterday. So Lord, forgive me and give me the power to forgive others. And listen, here, here's what we, we don't pray as much as we should. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, there's things that you know me, you created me, and there's things that, that affect me. There's things that are hard for me to stay away from. So, Lord, just help me stay away from it. Help me to identify these areas in my life that are going to displease you, that are going to displease others, that are going to give me a bad name and maybe the church a bad name. Lord, just keep me away from it. Help me be an imitator of you. I don't want to fall into temptation, so just help me stay away from it altogether. Now, listen, part of... Part of the response to this is on you, Christian. You've got to say, okay, God, if you don't want me to go here, I won't go here. And then Jesus ends the prayer. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, this is your kingdom. This is your creation. And part of your creation is me. So this is all you. Help me be a child of yours. Help me please you, Lord. Lead God and direct me and help me be okay with it and forgive me when I'm not. Everything, being an imitator of God, everything is wrapped up in this prayer. It doesn't have to look exactly like this. You don't have to repeat it word by word. But church, let me tell you, every single day we should pray like this. Every single day. Listen, if the last time that you had a life of repentance was when you gave your life to Jesus, well... You've got a problem. Repentance should be a daily thing in the life of a Christian. If we realize and we acknowledge that God hates sin, and we realize and acknowledge that we sin daily, just like we talked about last week, there's no way we can love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind every day. So, listen, we should repent for that every single day. We should ask for a new beginning every single day. We should ask for strength every single day. <clears throat> This should be our daily creed. And church, I just promise you, if you fight like this, you'll win the battle. If you fight like this, the devil is going to stay away from you. If you fight like this, the devil is never going to win. And if you fight like this, others are going to notice it and others are going to ask you about it. They're going to do it. If you look at somebody's life, I, I'm telling you, you know, I, I think Bubba's a good example. You look at Bubba's life, nobody, nobody's going to ask for Bubba's income. No, nobody's probably going to ask, I mean, they like your truck, but they're probably not going to ask for your truck. Nobody's going to ask, you know, for, for all these worldly possessions. They're not going to ask for your great big house. They're not going to ask to live on the lake because you don't live on the lake. But what they are going to ask, they're going to say, hey, I, ch I see a change that happened in your life. And I want that I see a change that happened in Kevin's life. I see you imitating the Father. Now listen, this is the most important thing you could hear today. And like I said just a few minutes ago, last year was our last normal service as we knew it. And this could be the same thing today. You cannot fight for your father-son or father-daughter relationship with God, you cannot be an imitator of God as a dear child if you don't have that relationship with Him. You can't do it. There is no way you can mimic the Father if you're not the, if you're not a child of His. So that's my ending question this morning. I'm not asking if you're a church member. I'm not asking. I'm not asking anything but if you are a child of God. 
thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you know how special it is to have a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it is indeed worth fighting for. Have a great week and remember to join us for Wednesday Words of Wisdom on our YouTube channel every Wednesday at 6 a.m. Have a great week.